Hello out there. Welcome to Wine, Women, and Writing. This is Pamela Fagan Hutchins, and you found the show where we talk with writers about their stories with complex, authentic female characters and with the real life issues that help build these characters and translate into great reads. We do it, I hope, with humor, the occasional dive into profanity, oversharing, if we're lucky, and irreverence and vast quantities of whatever gets us through the day. For me today, that's uh, ginger tea. It's a, little, it's a little bite to it, I'm liking it. Uh, I write, I write a lot, the USA Today best-selling and silver fashion best mystery winning What Doesn't Kill You series. You can find out more about my books on my website where you can also find links for um, not only all my novels, but the podcast. So you can look at old episodes. You can see who's coming up next. You can get the books and read along and be ready for me when I talk to the authors about their um, works that I love so much. It's PamelaFaganHutchins.com to get out there and take a look. I have a new book coming out soon, but it's a, it's a weird book for me. It's a guide to the series. I'm making big air quotes around my head. The Essential Guide to the What Doesn't Kill You series. Um, super fans will love it. New readers will find it helpful. Check it out. And today I'm coming to you from, since this is also, in addition to being Pamela's personal book club show, it is the Where's Waldo of um, Where Does Pamela Podcast From. Today I'm from my parents' lovely home in a thriving map dot of De Leon, Texas, where my husband and I are squatting in their barn apartment for a month or two. I know, sexy. But on to the good stuff. You're going to love our guest today, K.L. Slater. Um, her uh, actual name is Kim. That's her author name. And she's here to talk about her psychological thriller, Liar. Welcome to Wine, Women, and Writing, Kim. Thank you, Pamela. Well, I am dying to know, since I'm coming to you from a town of 2,000 people in the middle of nowhere, where are you calling in from? Okay, well, I'm calling in from Nottingham in England today, and uh, I'm in the Midlands, so I'm sort of smack bang in the middle of, of uh, England, of the country, really, yeah. Well, that's lovely. And did I read on your website that you also spend a good deal of time in Yorkshire? Yes, I do, because my husband comes from Yorkshire and, um, and we, we love Yorkshire. It's a you know, really big county, beautiful countryside. And in North Yorkshire, we've got the coast as well. So um, it's really, really beautiful there. And uh, I'm quite lucky because I guess like you, I can work anywhere. So, um, you know, uh, take time off, of course, and enjoy. But it's, it's handy to be able to... Yes, to, to get our portable offices, isn't it? Anywhere. <laughs> it is. Have laptop or pen and paper or whatever, and um, you're in business. Do you uh, do you consider yourself a country girl or a city girl? Um, well, in Nottingham, I live just about just two miles from the city, so a bit of both, really. When we're in Nottingham, you know, we go into the city, and um, and it, and it's a thriving city, and and we we love eating out and uh, going to the cinema because we love movies as well. And in Yorkshire, you know, we tend to walk more, and as I say, go to the coast. So it's kind of best of both worlds, really. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking it is. I'm loving the sound of that. And it, it must, something must be going right in whatever it is that you have set up yeah. for your life because your professional life is just going fantastically. And while I know we're here to talk about Liar today, which I read and enjoyed, I want to first congratulate you on your brand new release, The Silent Ones. Thank you. Yes, yes. It's been really exciting. Um, in fact, today is it's been published for a week. 
so today is its, its seventh day of publication and um, it's, uh, it's just been received so amazingly, particularly in the UK and in the, in the US. So um, I'm really excited about it. I'm, if there are even better stats, um, correct me, but the ones that I saw were number one on Apple UK and number 20 on Amazon UK and just absolutely killing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, and I think well, just before I came on, it had um, it had hit number sixty-two in the U.S. Uh, Kindle chart, which is amazing. Yay! Uh, my my U.S. readers, um, you know, are very um, loyal, and and it's just wonderful that um, they're enjoying the book. So I've got some good reviews coming in, which is always, as you will know, um, a, a wonderful feeling, isn't it, when you put a lot of work into a book? It's a wonderful feeling, and not only that, it's a way for readers to 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 a share their good reads with other people. But they're helping an author whose work that they enjoyed. And it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful relationship when you have a, yeah. someone that cares enough to leave a review. Agreed. Yes, it is. Yeah. Now, is Silent Ones your eighth or your ninth thriller? Um, it's my ninth. <laughs> Yay! It's hard to just think there, but um, it's my ninth. Yes. Um, uh, and incredibly, and I mean, as I say this, it, I can hardly believe it, but it's my ninth in two and a half years. So, you've, been, uh, you've been a busy, busy woman. Very busy. Rushing <laughs> uh, between Yorkshire and Nottingham and writing. And <laughs> <laughs> Where does Liar fall into the queue? Let's see if this Silent Ones is the ninth. Liar yeah. is. Liar was book three. Book three. So we are hearkening back in time. And your publicist um, reached out to me about Liar, and I did not realize that was one of your earlier books. You know, I've been out and looked at them and couldn't quite tell the order because they're standalones, right? They're all standalones? That's right. Yeah, they're all standalone psychological thrillers. And of course, um, they, they've all come out on, uh, in Kindle, on Kindle rather, before uh, paperback so grand central have just published liar in paperback for mass market gotcha uh, it first came out it was kindle and um, amazon paperback yes well that makes sense that makes uh, to me sense why they were reaching out um and looking for people that would discover it anew now that the paperback is out so so i have discovered it anew and before we dive into liar um just because I know people now are intrigued, we've told them about the Silent Ones and how well it's doing. Real briefly, can you tell them what it's about? About Liar or the Silent Ones? Sorry, Pamela. The Silent Ones. Oh, the Silent Ones. Um, yeah, it's about um, basically two 10-year-old cousins, uh, Maddie and Brianna, and they're uh, accused of a, an awful crime. And um, they're cousins, so their mothers are sisters and they live in a small village and the uh, the family sort of starts to turn against each other as well as the community with their kangaroo courts and really it's about um the underlying theme is about families and and about dysfunctional families and how the past affects us now as well as the ongoing sort of murder uh, investigation of the book so it's um, it's a sort of um, sort of picks up pace and uh, the as I say the reviews have been great people say saying that they can't put it down and they want to know what's happened so um, yeah it's uh, it's sort of on the surface of it two small girls accused of a, of a terrible crime 
but then going a bit deeper uh, on the family because I really enjoy writing about families and about relationships in my books as well. Which is a nice segue back into Liar, which is mm. nice and twisty. And, you know, as I was reading it, um, I was thinking psychological thriller, but also just a, a domestic thriller, you know, because you have these twisty family relationships. Um, so again, tell the listeners a bit about Liar out in paperback now. <laughs> Basically, Liar is about a single dad, Ben, who is uh, bringing his children up alone after his wife died. And his mother, Judy, is the, the children's grandmother. And, you know, she helps him. She's really helped him and been a great support to him. And then out of the blue, Ben meets Amber, um, his girlfriend. And, um, and everybody thinks it's wonderful that Ben's met her, but Judy's not so sure. Uh, because as we know, um, you know, mothers and, and women of a certain age, we've got lots of insights into people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so all, all is not what it seems. And Judy's quite suspicious. And it kind of starts from there. It so. starts and it takes off from there. Um, so now I want to dive more into Liar. But I've got to ask, because I know that you also started writing Young Adult. Was your... Oh, yeah. Is your, do you still write it? Uh, yes, I do. Although I've not had a, I wrote a, a book last year and I've not got a new one coming out this year at the moment because my adult writing um, is sort of quite a um, hefty schedule. Uh, so I have to be <laughs> <laughs> not to burn out kind of thing but um of course I tried to get published for many years you see um and I went back to university I had no luck and I went back to university when I was 40 and um and that's when I started uh, I did um, a degree and an MA a master's degree in creative writing and I got chance on there to write lots of different things to try out lots of writing that I wouldn't ordinarily have, have tried and one of them was writing for children which I never really fancied and then I tried it and really loved it. And, um, and that was my way into publishing because I managed to get an agent and a publisher, Macmillan Children's Books, for my young adult uh, books. And, and they've done brilliantly in schools and libraries and won lots of awards. So, um, yeah, that was how I first got into publishing. Okay, so I, since I haven't read your YA, is it creepy too? <laughs> or is it, you know, or is it um, of a different genre in addition to being written for a different age group and by creepy i mean fabulous by the way yes no no i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> all my books are always a little bit creepy i think but <laughs> say much for me does it but um yeah what my, my young adult books are i would describe them as contemporary fiction with issues for readers of 11 plus so um they they're all sort of like mysteries or detective mysteries but more than that they deal with a lot of issues that young people uh, that affect young people today from uh oh, dr from drugs to domestic violence to poverty all sorts of things that affect young people um so it it really is a different genre to what i'm writing with my adult but I suppose the similarity is that it's all about people and characters and relationships and families, mostly dysfunctional ones, I guess. But um, I, I suppose that's a thread that runs throughout the two genres that I, that I write. Yeah, I definitely see that. And, and yet I also see um, 
I see that pieces of it that have a very literary bent. I'm just going to read back to you something. As I was reading, I texted this to my husband. Um, oh. we, my husband and I are storyboarding partners, and um, he's not a writer, but he's awesome, but he's not a writer. And he and I um, share books. We share mostly through audio, but if I find something I like, he's the first one I send it to. So this is a, uh, the, the texting is a big compliment here. Time has slipped through our fingers like melting snow. We thought we had so much of it, but suddenly it's just cold water trickling away fast. And I think one of the things I love most about Liar, besides that it was um, a great characters and a great plot, was that it did not sacrifice the writing for either of those things, that you get passages like that that give you these these moments of, of perfection as a reader. And I just, I really enjoyed it. So that one was text worthy to me. Well, thank you very much. That's, that's a very big compliment. And uh, <laughs> that's very kind of you to say, because um, I mean, I really love writing digitally. You know, I, I like being published digitally. And the reason I like it is because I have lots of ideas and I love the fact it can be, you know, my idea, I can have an idea today and literally in six months it can be published. Right. Um, so, so I find that really exhilarating, but um, also it can be quite draining. So it's a fine balance in terms of living life. And, you, you know, all, all people who write know that you can sit in a room and you're in this other world. And then, you know, uh, like my husband will come and tap on the door with a cup of tea or something. And I think, oh, <laughs> there's another world out there, you know, and they are just just go by. So um, what I like to do, uh, and it's not always easy, and I wouldn't claim that I'm always successful with it, but I do try and, and you know, think about the writing and the standard of writing, even though I'm putting things out quite quickly. And I would love uh, four times as long to go through and, you know, more time. Uh, but that's not always possible. But I do try and think about the standard of writing. And with my young adult books, you know, I write one of the one a year and it's a total different pace. So I'm really lucky because I've had both sides. I've got both sides to sort of compare and they've both got pros and cons. Um, but I I'm not sure any writer uh, is ready to let the book go, really. Would you agree? It's like, oh. you know, never quite, you never hundred percent happy are you no and if you go back and read it 10 years later you, you know you still want to get out your red pen and yeah. uh, and scratch it up I'm writing a thriller right now and I'm about 80 percent through and I'm finding what you're talking about that you know it's 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 going to be published in November and I'm on first draft you know so you're like okay go 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 and you can feel yourself just trying to get the story down and then having to step back and go it still has to sing it has a song that it's got to sing and, and you go back and you have to put that in because it can get crushing the schedule at the same time as it's super cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And, um, you know, uh, that, and that is pressure really. Uh, we're, we're making light of it here, but you know, sometimes it really does feel like pressure, uh, when you feel that time running out and you're not happy and you just need more time and there's no time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And somebody's got to find a way to tell you it's going to be all right, Kim. <laughs> so, you can go on, probably. <laughs> so you can go on to the next one. So what inspired the plot and the characters in this book? Were any of it drawn from um, anything but your fertile imagination, like from real life or um, things you saw on the news, or where do you get your ideas? Uh, this is, are we talking about liar now? Liar. Let's go back to liar. Well, actually, you know, uh, all it, this would this would do for all of the books. 
it always starts for me with a seed of an idea and nearly always in fact if not always with the character the main character so because I always start with a character's voice or with a tiny seed of an idea and build on that. So with Liar, um, it's often uh, I have a, a mood for the book or a feel for the book. And with Liar, what, what it was for me was, um, it sounds really strange this, but Liar started with a sort of a look, a meaningful looks that can be, be between certain members of a family. Um, looks that can go over the heads of the other people so with judy and amber just to explain a bit more in the book you know they're both sort of like they're not getting on but it kind of goes over the heads of of um of judy's husband henry and her son ben and amber's boyfriend who's ben and and that's how it starts with just those two women um sort of um what's the word butting up against each other a little bit but nobody really yeah. notices and that's how it starts that's how it begins and then it gets sort of a, you know it moves sort of snowballs um so what it's often a feel so i wanted this character that i'd got in my head it was judy and i knew she was sort of middle-aged and and i had a sense of her that she'd really done her best all her life for her family um and she got to the stage of her life uh and she felt a bit pushed out pushed away and that and that is the only thing that really gives her any satisfaction in her life and it has meaning to her life is is to look after her grandsons and to raise them with ben and to help her son and when that starts to be taken away from her she's unsure really what to do and, and what to think about it and that's what really fascinated me about the book and then of course that's not really enough for the plot then i start to think about the story uh, but that's where I start. I always start from just a little idea or definitely the character. And I start to go and think, and what if this happened? And what if that happened? And how would she react? And, and then I start to sort of build it from there. But I'm not an enormous planner, having said all that. Um, I often find it's far better for me anyhow to just begin writing. Let that character tell you the story. Yes, and get the feel of that character. Because I think one of the things about writing for the digital world is that um, you don't necessarily get that nice uh, length of thinking time. And I like to call it simmering an idea and characters beforehand. Uh, you know, sometimes, well, often you're just straight in there, get it, as you said, getting the story down, get it, getting it down. Uh, we haven't always got the luxury of more time. So for me, I start to write and when I'm not writing, I'm thinking about the character and, and always uh, with, obviously with psychological thrillers, um, there's always the expectation of, of something to surprise the reader, if, even if it's not a full-blown twist, but I, you know, my readers like twists. <laughs> and I start thinking about that at the beginning of the book when when I'm when I'm first starting writing you know it can be very off-putting so people one of the questions I often have if I do a talk or writers group or something people say well how do you get your twists and you know I just try and have faith that they will come so right at the beginning and it's always worked for me touch wood I'm feverishly looking around for wood. <laughs> So, um, yes, yeah, so at the beginning, I start with the character and an idea and I sort of have faith that as the process 
goes on and I have faith in it, so other things will occur to me. Um, and one of those things are, are, is the twist or twists. And the characters I find very rarely let you down. They're a lot like real people in that they have secrets and you just have to reach the point where it reveals itself to you. Some of the best moments of my writing have been when everything goes off script and you just have this, you know, heart surging moment of following, following that character as they dive with you into something you didn't expect that is exactly what you were hoping you'd get to and had no idea what it was. And so, you know, it, it, that's to me the magic. Totally. And also what about when you think, um, you know, you, you, a character comes in and you think this character is going to be really interesting and actually they don't turn out to be and someone else takes the, you know, <laughs> Someone else has got the shine and you follow their path and that's quite exciting as well so so yeah I I, um, I think that you know I have to uh, my editor asks and likes me to do an outline of an idea which is fine she knows that it may change and it always does so that kind of gets me to think about the main points of plot and, and often it does change for the reasons we've just discussed uh, but I do think it's a very valuable process just to write and, um, you know, just to see where it goes. I find, too, that, that, that the, the digital publishing that sometimes it actually helps me, the speed of the pressure of keeping going, because you can keep the threads of a complicated plot together better because you don't ever walk away from it. On the other hand, you get a little bit crazy pants with your family because you don't ever quite leave. <laughs> <laughs> that world you finally you know you leave the office and 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 go go out shopping and you're walking around and you can't concentrate on the shopping because you're still in the office in your head. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I find that you know I have to physically leave in order to make that break uh, often if I just go into another room and and say I've finished writing now you know it it, it doesn't really work sometimes um but um yeah I mean I I love digital for, for those reasons but it's a bit of a beast, isn't it? Well, it, it is. We love it, but we've got to keep an eye on it because otherwise, you know, it just takes over. It does. It gets a little tiring and your brain feels pressed like a pancake, but then you pop back and those stories start to come back and you realize, oh, it's time to do another. When you look down at your watch and you're like, yep, it's time. <laughs> Fast time. So let me ask you one more question about your kind of your writing practice and your home life. Do you write at home? Is your office at home? Yes, I have an office at home. It sounds rather grand, but it's just a spare bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, so I try, uh, I've, I've tried lots of things actually, and I'm still trying because I'm, I'm still trying to find the perfect balance. And I do believe it exists. But the problem is, well, it's a problem on the one hand, and it's a really good thing to have when you write for digital uh, publishing, because I, I work and respond really well to deadlines. Yes. So when I start to write the book and on paper, it, it's going to be so easy. I just need to write a thousand words a day and I can do that for maybe five or six days a week and then I'm going to have time to edit and it all fits in. But in reality, what happens is I tend to take that, I do tend to take a bit of thinking time at the beginning and to just let that simmer. And um, for instance, now I've got a deadline that's uh, just under two weeks time. 
So, um, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of up for it. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm geared up. I'm, I'm writing well, and um, and I actually quite like that feeling. So <laughs> it's a bit strange, isn't it? The pressure oh, and the deadline help. I love and that. I, I have when I start a book, I make a spreadsheet, and it gives yeah. me a generous amount of time, like you said, about a thousand words a day to write my book. And then I get to the point where I'm like, if I don't write 4,000 words a day, I will never make this deadline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you do, don't you? you I do. I did so, it yesterday. I got to do it again today. <laughs> so the reason that I can write anywhere, but I don't like noise. I don't like music and I don't like TV or anything. So provided there's, there's no noise, I can write anywhere. But I do get a lot of tension in my neck and shoulders. So I quite like writing in bed, but I find I'm much better sat at the desk. Um, and, um, and I've tried, I've tried, um, in the US you have, um, sort of co-working places, you know, where you can go and right. uh, sort of a shared office. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the, I've tried that as well. And that worked really well. And what I like about those things, I know some people go into cafes, cafes, but I don't like that because it's too noisy. Right. Um, but what I like about it is I feel like I'm putting on a different hat. So I come into the office, I put my writing hat on and then later on, um, you know, I take it off or I try and take it off. Um, <laughs> And do something else and I, I liked co-working I've not done it this time because it takes a bit of effort I can just I can go into the office you know as I am really in my pajamas um, but I have to get dressed and look half decent to go to the um, co-working space <laughs> but I like, I like the separation of it and it feels like I'm coming home after doing my work when I've been out to write so um, but I, I do like to I, I can write anywhere so I'm quite lucky like that I like to change it up. And I think that that's one of the things that sounds appealing about the co-work this book or home this book is, is finding a space that's working for a particular book. And I get superstitious. Like if it's working, then I need to be there. And everyone needs to back off. It may be in the middle of the living room, you know, and everybody has to be quiet because it's working for this book. Just, it'll only last a month. Everybody just bear with me. <laughs> My family that's loves this. Interesting you said that because it's like I kept, saying to myself my deadline's coming up and I'm thinking you know I really ought to go to the co-working space because that's great because I just put my my earphones in and I have a ticking app you know one of those tick where it's a tick in your ears yeah yeah it's like focus keeper mine is but um and it's 25 minutes and each session and that just really focuses me I just put my head down but something about and I think you've just given me the explanation because I'm so near my deadline now I'm like oh well I haven't got time to go there and I don't want to go there because I've not I've not done it for this book <laughs> so I think that's quite a good explanation. I think, like you said, it must be a bit of superstition. Yeah, what if it doesn't work and you get there? <laughs> oh, writers are superstitious people, I find. You know, whether it's something that helps you stay in the muse or a writing outfit or like you listening to that, the ticks and getting your 25 minute sessions, but you find what works and you're like, it's like your special underwear. You know, you got to have it. Yeah, and I think that, I think it's all, well, I, I like to say it's not very, it's not really mystical, but when you think about it, you know, uh, we get an idea and we write a novel from it, and, and well, I don't think we're absolutely sure how it all happens, but we're lucky that it does, and we try, you know, we just sort of um, have, have our little superstitions and things that work to support that. <laughs> I think it may be a little bit mystical, and mm. isn't, 
isn't that a beautiful thing to think that it's both a, a, a craft, uh, a learn, you know, a learned skill that we develop, but it's also an art and even a gift from, we don't know where. <laughs> that and you know I think um, tips for writers who were starting out is uh, I know myself when I started out was to, to it, it sounds a bit boring really but get to know yourself so I know that I know lots of writers who really enjoy writing through the nights and you know or night hours uh, but for me I know through trial and error and trying different things that I like early mornings that's my best time if I can do that it probably comes from when I had a day job and, and I used to get up at 6am and write for two hours you know and I think that gave me quite a, a sort of discipline as well um, so and, and I don't like writing on, on the page with a pen you know I, I like uh, I'm a speed typist so it keeps up with the words in my head right so I think shortcut uh, you know if you kind of shortcut a lot of trial and error if you know certain things about yourself as well as a writer and what you prefer I think that that is absolutely true. There is no one size fit all, fits all. At the end of the day, I think that writers are people who, I'm going to say put their butts in a chair, but that's metaphorically speaking because I sometimes write on a, dicta, a handheld uh, recorder, you know, and, and do it by voice. But you put your proverbial butt in the chair and you let the words catch up with you, but it's the discipline of doing it whenever that time of day is or wherever that is for you or whatever lucky underwear you have on or not. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I, I honestly, I, you guys out there, I told Ken, um, Ken that we'd probably talk for about 20, 25 minutes, but that it would always feel short. And Kim is definitely one of those people where I'm sitting here going, gosh, I wish I'd said an hour and a half and we <laughs> talking, <laughs> but you'd be like my deadline, my deadline. So we do have to start wrapping this up. And this is the exciting part of the show where I say that this has been a copyrighted production solely owned by authors on the air global radio network with great thanks to my producer, Pam Stack, who is the bomb. And here's your to-do list folks for next week. Put the feed for this podcast on your device. You can get the feed for it on my website, the podcast page. And catch up, if you didn't, on Reading Liar. Um, you might also sneak the silent ones on, um, on your e-reader while you're doing it. And, of course, you can binge your novels, my novels, to your heart's content, um, newly on Kindle Unlimited, the all-you-can-read subscription service. Uh, and read for our next guest. So next week, I have Rachel Berenbaum and her suspenseful and literary historical abandoned the stars and um it's a, a debut for her kim thank you for being on today this has been a lot of fun and thank you for your great books thank you thank you for having me i think we could have talked all day couldn't we we could have we could have we'll have to next time and thank you out there dear listeners for joining me with kim today and until next time here's to real women and those who write them good wine and really great books 